theyeshiva.net. We're at the end, the last, the last uh, paragraph, the last chapter of the Maimur Vihine Anachnum Almim Alumim, which is on page 55, second column, all the way on the bottom, four lines from the bottom, or Daf Chavches Amud Beis, Chavches column two on the bottom, top it says Vayeshev, the last chapter of Anachnum Almim Alumim. Last shiurim we discussed Birurishan and Birur Sheni, the Birur of the Shvatim, and then the Birur of Yosef. It says, To understand more the concept of them bowing down, Lalumasi, to my Shiv, the brothers' Shivs bowing, prostrating themselves to Yosef's Shiv. Also, from this first dream, you go to the second dream, where you have not only the brothers' sheaves bowing down to Yosef, but you have the sun and the moon and the eleven stars. And the sun and the moon includes already another two people. It includes a father and a mother. Which means Yaakov now is also included in this prostration to Yosef. And as the Pasuk says, the brothers were jealous, but his father, Va'aviv Shomer his father kept it in his mind. He waited for it. He took it seriously. And it says particularly his father, because the second dream was also about his father. That's the Diyak Va'aviv Shomer and here one must wonder, how can it be Sheyakov who, in terms of Madrega, in terms of spiritual stature, is greater than his son Yosef, in the Sifri HaKabbalah it's explained, Yaakov represents the guf, the torso, the body, Yosef represents the bris, in the ten spheres, Yaakov is Midas Hatif Eres, which is represented by the torso, the center of the body. And Yosef is represented Midas Hayesoid, which is Ois Bris Kaidish. So Yaakov is Guf and Yosef is Bris. And even though the expression in Zoyer is that the Guf and the Bris work in unison, so Yaakov and Yosef have a profound unity, because Guf embraces Kechadam. That's true. Mikol makoim hu It's true, but stuff, but still, the Guf is higher than the Bris. Chuli. Imken Yosef. So what's then the meaning of the second dream that Yaakov will bow down to Yosef? The Shvatim we explained that there was something in Yosef that the Shvatim didn't have, and that's represented by their Hishtachava. But here in the second dream, there's a whole new union of Yaakov. Acha inyin ki Hishtachava kailelez beiz p'chines. Hishtachava, when you say bowing down, it includes two dimensions. Ha'alev p'chines bitl. One is what would be defined as bitl, meaning shabbatel u'mishtachava, it's a form of surrender. You prostrate yourself. It's a form of I'm a vatal myself. I I surrender. I submit to something 
that is greater than me. Ukamai, like we say in the morning in davening, from Divrei Hayamim, Utsva Hashamayim, Lechamishtachavim. All the legions, all the troops of heaven, prostrate themselves to you, Lechamishtachavim. Shehem is batlam. This is all a form of bittel. You're bowing down. Now, of course, there's an external bittel and there's an internal one. We're talking here about an internal one. It's not just I bow down to flatter you and show you that I, I'm submitting. We're talking about a real, an inner, uh, an inner sense of submission and surrender because I feel that there's something here that is completely beyond me and I'm in awe of it. And that's what the hishtachava, the prostration represents. On Yom Kippur, you had all of the Hishtachavoyas, right? That we do in the Avoida of Yom Kippur. And we prostrate ourselves. Mm-hmm. When they would hear, mm-hmm. So that's all a form of awe, surrender, submission. Habez, there's another form of prostration. Very interesting. You're actually trying to give something to the person. <laughs> At the surface, you could say, I'm bowing down, I'm losing myself. But there's another element. It's, it's like I'm gravitating downwards. I'm marking his, I bend down, he bends, he bends down his head. In other words, I don't remain in my own position and my own posture. I want to bring something down to you. So sometimes ishtachava is the awareness and the desire to bring something into your world. And for this, I have to bend down. <laughs> I can't remain upright in my own posture, my own position, because then you won't be able to receive it. I have to lower my head. I have to get down. It's not I'm getting down because... I lost myself because I'm a vatal myself. I'm getting down because I care and I want this to be communicated to you. That's a completely different type of ishtachavot. It's a different type of bitl. It's also a bitl. Because <laughs> all caring is bitl. I'm going out of my own orbit, my own cocoon. But it's a, it's a, it's, it's a form of hashpa. I'm actually the person on the top, I'm, I'm, I'm giving. And I understand that. And therefore, I have to bend down, so to speak. Physically, and more importantly, we're talking conceptually, in order to be able to communicate this to another person. If a person is sitting in an ivory tower, aloof, sublime, detached, it's very nice. I don't bend down. I don't, I remain in my, in my orbit. Okay. But sometimes not everybody can approach it and they will remain disconnected. So I have to really bend down and sometimes a complete prostration where I'm like flat on the floor, not because I'm in awe in the sense of bittle that I lost myself in something greater. On the contrary, because I want to bring something to somebody who's in a different place. And from this, for this, I go out of my own cocoon and I communicate it to a position, to a person, to a, in a situation which may be very different than I. Ube'emes habahatalia. 
The truth is that the two are not so different. Shaideh habitl geirem hamshacha. The real hamshacha always comes through a bitl. I have to recognize that there's something here that is greater than me. If I'm not going to recognize that, then ultimately I won't be able to be mamshach. Aidei habitl through the bitl through this type of humility, goyim hamshacha, this type of prostration that allows you to also bring something into this person. There's a famous verse from the Baal Shem Tov that uh, his student quotes a few times. The Baal Shem Tov had a student who told us Yaakov Yosef. He was a rav of a city called Pulna. Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Pulna. So his sefer has told us Yaakov Yosef. And uh, so he quotes the Baal Shem Tov a lot. Shamat him. And the Baal Shem Tov didn't write his own Torah. So he was one of the first and earliest sources of the teachings of the Baal Shem to via the mouth of his student, because he wrote his, the Talmud Shekhar wrote his Svarim. And uh, so he says that, that he heard from his teacher, there's a Mishnah Masechter Shoshana, Shliach Tzibur, She'enoi Mechuyev Bedavar, E'enoi Moitzia Serab Miyadei Chivasen, which means a Shliach Tzibur, somebody representing the community, if he's not obligated, Mechuyev, if he's not obligated to do a mitzvah, he can't dispense others from their mitzvah. He can't be mitzvah others. So for example, if I'm not obligated to blow shoifer, or I'm not obligated to read the Megillah, even though I know how to blow shoifer very well, and I have a whole oilam here wants to hear the shoifer, my blowing shoifer won't be the mitzvah in their mitzvah. I can only be mitzvah you if I'm a chuyiv in the mitzvah. And that's what the Mishnah says in, in Rosh Hashanah, at the end of Masech Rosh Hashanah. So the Baal Shem Tev teaches, homiletically, mechuyev means obligated. Mechuyev, but really the word mechuyev in Gemara means guilty. Right? When you say chayev, he's chayev, it means he's guilty. Yatza mechuyev bedina, he means he goes out of the court with guilt. So the Baal says, shliach tzibur she'enem mechuyev bedavar. A shliach tzibur who's not guilty in anything, e'enem moitzia serabim yedei chayvasam. He will never be able to extract the rabbin from their guilt, from their chayva. I cannot help people come out of their own, the word here is not mamish guilt, of their own toxicity, of their own, of their own challenges. If I'm completely aloof and I'm not mechayv bedava, why? Because I can't really connect to them. And they'll immediately feel it. I'm coming from a place of superiority and that's really effective. Even if it's effective, it's much more superficial and skin deep. I have to be able to empathize. And the only way I can empathize is if I share something of this experience. If I'm sitting on my throne and say, with all these problems, here, come, let me help you. It's not going to work. It's a fascinating part of the Baal Shem The Shlech Tzibu has to be Mechuyev Bedavar. He has to also be dealing with it. Maybe in a different way. Maybe in a different aspect. Cause he's, and, 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 and Yosef Yosef gives us a marshal that he heard from the Baal Shem Tov. The marshal he gives us from a lifeguard. He doesn't use the word lifeguard, but he says somebody's drowning and you're sitting, you know, at the beaches, they have those tall, tall chairs, right? Like Kisei Hakavids, right? And he's sitting on top with, he has his headphones, yeah, and he's listening to music and he's, Rocking back and told us doesn't say this. And he's back and forth. This is before there were headphones. And he's sitting, yeah, and there's somebody 
who's struggling with an undercurrent. He says, come, 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 come to me. Doesn't work that way. He says he has to jump in. And when he jumps in, he becomes vulnerable to the undercurrent. And he says, and if he doesn't know how to swim well, it's a danger for him to do. Because to save the person, he must go into his position and experience something of what he's experiencing. I have to go out of my, and, and all real communication, I have to go out of my posture and really, really be able to connect to your posture. And it may be a different posture. This means I have to bow down. I have to bend down. So that always comes from a certain bittle, from a certain appreciation that there's something here that I also have to learn or something that I also have to struggle with. You know, probably the famous martial of Reb Nachman of Breslov, right? With the, it's a very famous story. Reb Nachman of Breslov once said that uh, there was a uh, prince who unfortunately one day woke up and he had some insanity entered his mind that he's not a human being anymore. He's a rooster, a turkey, yeah. And he went under the table, right? And he took off his clothes, of course. And he started to communicate exactly as a turkey. And life changed. And it was a nightmare. The parents didn't know what to do. Ibn Nachman says, They looked for every doctor and nobody can heal him. And then one Chacham came and he took off his clothes. And he went under the table. And the turkey looks at him and says, Right? And he said, I'm also a turkey. Also, to son. why are you talking? He says, there are turkeys who know how to talk. And then one day he put on an undershirt and he explained to him that it's turkeys who wear undershirts. And one day he started to eat with a spoon and a knife. And he says, there's turkeys who eat with spoons and knives. And one day he started to use the restroom. And he says, there's turkeys that use the restroom. <laughs> and slowly but surely, he got the turkey sitting at a table and behaving ke'echad adam. So Reb Nachman didn't explain the nimshal. But apparently what he meant was, I have to go under the table. <laughs> And I have to take off my clothes, which emotionally is not easy. It means I have to take off all my attire, my garments. I can't remain dressed up in my uniform, meaning comfortable in my, in my, uh, my mahalach. Sometimes I could, but sometimes I have to bow, bow down. That's always a form of bittel. But what type of bittel is it? It's a bittel that I want to bring something very special, very important to the person. And we know that this is not an easy thing to do for people, right? Why should I bow down? You come to me. And I could say that. A lot of people say that. And I may wait for the rest of my life. So that's the second type of Ishtachavar. We also bow down in the beginning, at the end. Baruch, Ato, and then Hashem. It's explained, this is so, both a concept of bittel, in the sense of a complete form of self-surrender, but it's also hamshacha. He bends down his head. In the kavanas of Tvila, of the Arizal, in the Sefer Priyetzchayim, he brings from Baruch. Baruch means to draw down. Baruch is like a brecha, a pool. Baruch milash hamavrech es hagafen. You bend the vine. He brings down from Baruch 
בבחינס עטו. ועל דרך זה יובן אין ותשתכוון אל הלמוסה. This brings us back to bowing down to my sheep. כי הנה, השבותם דשבותם כשהלו מאי נוקפים במלכוס. When they did their avoid that we explained at length earlier, they were myla. They brought together the fragmented sparks of the world. Through their avoid their feminine waters into malchus. Tzichim lo'erer. Hamshachas mayin duchrin da'atzil el-shaydeze ikir abirur. Now they wanted to trigger and arouse the main birur, the birur sheni, which are the masculine waters of Yosef from Atzilus. Uba'emes ein hamad nimshach el la'achar sheyesha lost man. There's a klal. Mad is masculine waters and man is feminine waters. Mayin duchrin and mayin nukvin. Usually the masculine waters don't flow without some arousal from the feminine waters. The expression of Zoyar is blessings don't dwell in an empty space. You need a vessel, someone who's open, who's curious, who's eager. Then the light can dwell. If you don't open a vessel, it can rain all day. But if you didn't plow the earth, and you didn't plant, nothing is going to grow. Why? There's a lot of oil, but there's no keli. Somebody can be present at the greatest revelations of light, but if you did not create a keli, a vessel, an openness to it, it's worthless. Yeah. Anybody who's in the work of communication or teaching or therapy, all this type of thing, you could sit with a patient and tell him all the truth about his life. Why? There was no keli. If you send forth the oil before there's a keli, where does it go? It goes to the waste. And sometimes it's even worse because you already said everything. So to speak, you spilled the beans. So he already knows everything. He knows everything, but he knows nothing. What did somebody say? People who know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Right? I know everything. I have nothing to hear anymore because I heard it all. I have to wait till there's a keli. To make a keli is very hard. You have to form a vessel. When, and then I see, oh, there's an opening, now I could bring in the oil. This is a very, very profound idea. Because you think, you just give the oil, there has to be a keli for oil. It could be the biggest, best, most beautiful, glorious light in the world. If there's no keli, it's raining. I didn't plant anything, nothing is going to grow. Rains and rains, it's amazing, it rains, it's kevaldic, but nothing happens. There's no vegetation, there's no produce. Why? It doesn't take root. All the seed in the world that comes from the masculine, all the sperm, incredible energy. The Gemara's expression is Yerik Echetz, right? It's hurled like an arrow. But if there's no egg to receive it, if it doesn't meet its keli, there's no conception. What's conception? It doesn't conceive it. There's no clay kibble to conceive it. No embryo, no fetus, no child is developing. Like the rain, it rained. But the seed, the seed, the sperm, the heaven sperm, this is called mad, mayin duchrin, masculine waters. The spiritual orgasmic flow from heaven is called mad. And physical, the biology, the biology of the body is just a reflection of the spiritual dynamic. Because it's all mirrored. So mad is powerful, but it needs man. It needs the keli. All air needs a keli. The bracha can dwell in an empty vessel. You have to have some form. The keli on its own can't do it. You need the oil. But the keli 
is the opening for the oil. Oz shayda oil. When there's a keli, the oil could come in. Vahaman hu keli lahamad. And the Mayan Nukvin is a keli for the Mayan Dukhrin. Lachain kedei la'oyrin amshachas madi Yosef. So to bring forth the amshach of madi Yosef, the first half to be the avoid of the shvatim b'pchinis bittel la'oyrin hamshachazu. They needed that humility and that bittel to trigger this hamshachah. Kam yuvan zemi marshal gashmi bezivuk zacher in the cave. Yeah, yeah. They were the Biririshan, the Halas man, which creates and his for there to be a much deeper gili of Birusheni, which is the gili of Yosef. Gam Yuvan Zami Marshal Gashmi. It can also be understood physically in a, through a physical metaphor, Bezivuk Zachar and Nekeva. In the intimacy between the Zachar and the Keva, the male and the female. Shein Kishi Elaladaz. The Gemara says, "Ain kishyelaladas." The only way there can be intimacy is when there is a kishu, which is ladas. It must happen from. There has to be an awareness that triggers this this experience, which allows for intimacy. It's the expression of Chazal when the female prepares her table. It triggers the craving and the passion of the male. Again, the man becomes a keli for the mad. If the nekeva, if the female is completely not interested, it's very, very difficult. So the, the ain kishri elaladaz, and what makes it, what makes it fertile, what makes it meaningful, what makes it successful, what makes it happen is that she prepares her table. Um, An arousal, yeah. The arousal of the male, which allows for intimacy, has to happen ladas. There's a warmth there, there's a passion there, there's an awareness there. Person has to be interested. When a person is, is dead, right? There's no, there's no kishui. There has to be passion. A person is interested, yeah. And, um, if there's no interaction with the nekeva and there's no readiness on the level of the nekeva, it becomes, uh, it's, 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 it becomes very, very difficult, very challenging. This is his martial gashmi, his physical thing. On the other hand, when the man is aroused, when the nekeva prepares the table, preparing the table, of course, like you prepare the table for the guest, because you want them to come in and you want them to enjoy. When she prepares her table, so then the zachar, the zachar goes, the male goes into a different state. He goes into a different uh, state. I think I read once that Mark Twain said that when he said, when I was 10, my father was brilliant. When I was 19, the guy didn't know what he's talking about. Just saying idiotic things. He says, today I'm older. I don't know, he's 30, 40, and I have a bunch of kids, and my father's saying brilliant things. It's funny how much the old man learned in 10 years. (laughs) So this is, this is the Marshall Gashmi. Yeah. And this is important. This is also very good marriage advice. People go to therapy for Yaren. Dr. Rebbe is saying, sometimes, you said this to the Hevra, sometimes you see Mamash here in the Maimer. What do you say that men uh, make up through intimacy? What do you you tell the guys? 
about men and women with intimacy, remember? By the, by the chasan, by the bachram. It comes after closeness. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's connected to it because we had a session for bachram. So Mr. Lamb was telling them that for men, often intimacy, right, is a way of getting close. So if you have a disagreement, yeah, so let's have intimacy. Well, that's a way of, of, of solving the problem. For women, intimacy happens when they're close. When they're feeling close, right, that's what you said. The result of that is intimacy. So, uh, and without that, uh, it's very hard for them to have. So <clears throat> when you're having a disagreement, so you have to deal with it first. That's it. But but the nakuda is it's a very important nakuda that the rain falls, it needs a keli. The mad says, I'm ready. There has to be an element of man. You have to be able to have a keli. Somebody has to be there has to be an interest. And that creates a whole different type of mad. It creates a whole different type of engagement. Because you're not living in your own you're not, it's real mad. In other words, it's masculine waters that are connecting to feminine waters. So that's the keli, that's mam That's what Yosef says. Your aluma is turned. They turned and they became, they created the keli for the second birur by bowing down to his aluma. This bowing down does two things. It's the bitl to the bitl sheni of atzilus. Two things. First of all, there was the bittel to Yosef, the bittel to Bidrasheni. And this was also a keli that allowed the hamshacha from Yosef into them. Because the man creates mat. That the ain't soif, which is in Yosef. Yeah. So this hamshacha that they did, sheyumshach pchinus, haripnimi be Yosef. That, yeah, they had to create a keli. The bowing down of Yaakov, this primarily was the second Nakuda of bowing down. That Yaakov was giving, he was giving something to his son Yosef. The second concept of Ishtachava, that's the Ishtachava of Yaakov. The reason the Shvatim hated Yosef because of his dreams, they made one mistake. What was their mistake? The Pasuk says, some say Shabbos morning, in the Tehillim in the morning. Shasham alu shvatim shifte yutke. Over there the shvatim went up. The shvatim of yutke. Sheesh b'chinus yudbeis gvule alachsen bezod atzilus. In the six midas of atzilus, there's twelve angles. They're called yudbeis gvule alachsen. 
V'nikroyim shifte yudkei, they're called the twelve shvatim, shenem shochim me abba ve'ima. Yudkei, yudas, chochim, hey, is bina, and the twelve angles of the midas of Atzillus come from yudkei, shesham olu shvatim, shifte yudkei, they come from abba and ima, from father and mother, because the midas come from chochim and bina. Olazoyi savru ha-shvatim, the shvatim thought, savru ha-shvatim shalamata, shesharshan misham. The shvatim thought their source comes from there. Vim kein heim b'madrega achasim yosef. They're in one level with Yosef. Shekul and Sharshan Mizoda Atzilus. They all have a Shirish in the middle of Atzilus. They don't need Yosef to give them the masculine waters. Because whatever he has, they have. They come from one root. From Zav Atzilus. That's where the Mad comes from. Zav is masculine. Malchus is feminine. So they don't need Yosef. Aval Tobaza, they made a mistake. Ki emes shesharsha mizah. Their root, taka, comes from the Aval. Heim ba'atzmam lamata bebriya. But the way they came down here in this world, they were a manifestation of the consciousness of the world of Briya, not the world of Atzillus. The kanal be'inyin p'chines yud be'ez bakar shayom oymad alayam al-mayla. As we explained earlier about the 12 oxen and shloyma ha-melech's construction of the Beis HaMikdash and the sea is above it, that the shvatim, the way they came down here, the way there were souls and body, their consciousness was from Bria, and therefore they can bring up the world to the yam, to Malchus of Atzillus. Hilcha chem rak ha-maylem mayin nukvin l-malchus. Mashenkin Yosef shalamata. But Yosef below, who atzmoy mebchines yisoy da-atzillus mamash. Yosef himself, not only his shayrish, his source, but the way Yosef is manifested here, he represents Yisoy of Atzillus. So therefore they need him to give the bitter shani, the masculine waters, the mad, they need him. Your sheaves must uh, must gravitate and must prostrate themselves to mine to be able to achieve the second type of bitter of the Nitzaitzes that they cannot do on their own. And from this came a complete misunderstanding of who Yosef is and their relationship to Yosef. And those dreams enraged them, so to speak, and angered them. Why? Because of this error that they made of themselves vis-a-vis Yosef. What does this mean? They were brothers. If they were brothers, they thought... That essentially, the same, the same, the same stock, <laughs> the same genes, not just physical, but most importantly, metaphysical, spiritual. Yeah. And there was also a, 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 a truth in it, because their shaydish taka, as he says, shisham alu shvatim shifte yutke, their shaydish is from the zavatzilas. But lamata down here, it was a different story. Yosef was completely, completely in a different place, spiritually speaking, down here as a soul and a body. And you see it in his story. You see in his story that the, the Pasuk says, He recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. So literally, it means Rashi says, because he left without a beard, he was 17, and then when they met him, he was already an older man. He was close to 40, so he had a beard on one level. The Balatanya Taichas and another Mimer, consistent with what he says here, Yosef recognized his brothers. He understood the holiness of his brothers. 
they didn't recognize who he is. They never recognized who he is. They didn't have a hasaga, a real comprehension in who he is. And when you can't do that, when you don't have that hakara, so you equate that person to yourself. Because that's what we do. We compare people to ourselves and we use our own paradigm. But Yosef really was a complete, in a completely different place and you see it in his story. He was sent down to places, not voluntarily, but because of his brothers, where others would have lost their connection. Not only he didn't lose his connection, he transformed his entire environment. Whether he was in the house of Paitifar, whether he was in uh, prison for 12 years, later the prime minister of the most powerful country at the time. So most people are affected by this. And their connection to oneness is compromised. The Shvatim, on the other hand, as they told Parai, that forever, we were forever shepherds. From our youth until this day, we were shepherds. Shepherds live a very segregated life, a very isolated life, a very spiritual life in commune with nature, and pasture and waters. It's a very different life, the life of a shepherd. It's not entrenched in the urban metropolitans of, 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 of the corridors of Egypt and running the whole economy and running the world, Yosef Amash Bebar. It's a whole different, a whole different world. What allowed Yosef to be able to remain not only unscathed, but to transform his environment? His soul had to come from a much deeper place. Because Yosef's soul comes from what we call here bitter sheni. Not just Yehuda Tata, but Yehuda Elah. Not just Bittel Hayesh, but Bittel B'Metzias. Therefore, no environment can affect him. No part of the world can detach him from his source. Because of Mitzad Yehuda Elah, Mitzad the higher level of unity that Yosef experienced, there's no reality in the world that could compromise his integrity. On the contrary, he will transform every reality. When a person is on a level of bitl hayesh, which is not a small thing, or yichudetata, or what the Maimah calls birurishin, or bria, or man, ma'almim alumim, you bring the sheaves together. So the, ultimately there's a struggle. There's a struggle, there's a conflict between the fragmented world and the unified world. That's all in the human experience. But we spoke about the bitter sheni, the yotza nafshei be'echad of Rabbi Akiva, l'meheve echad be'echad. The echad that is above, the echad of Hashem, beyond the nivra. You remember we spoke about climbing the mountain and then there's what's beyond that. Where Yosef comes from there, bitter sheni, the absolute silence, alumasi, over there, there's, there's no conflict. So Yosef could be everywhere, and he remains completely unscathed. Not only that, he transforms his entire environment. So when Yosef says, bow down to my aluma, it also means, as the Balatanya says, to my silence. If Yosef would have been on the same level like them, they're taka right. Because over here, the hierarchy becomes nothing but problematic and even corrupt. 
if you're bowing down to Yosef as a yesh, then you have a big problem. Vatishtachavenalalumasi <laughs> means you're bowing down to my silence. When you're bowing down to my silence, lalumasi, what type of silence? Bittel b'metzias, then you're not bowing down to Yosef, another ego. You're saying the Shvatim weren't ready. No, you're saying Yosef told them the dream, but there was no Kali yet. <laughs> At the end, they realized, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it says Yisrael Avis Yosef Mikol Bonov that Yaakov loved Yosef and he gave him this Ksenus Pasim and all that. Yeah, wasn't Stam. You know, Yaakov said, "I like you," and like he says here, when Yaakov bowed down to Yosef, he was give he was giving Yosef something. He was empowering Yosef. The Ksenus Pasim, the multicolorful tunic of Yosef, represented his unique vocation in the world that his brothers didn't have. But this is a very difficult task because it's not like the Shvatim were of a low state. They were of a very, very lofty state. Bidurishan is extremely powerful. And to say that after Bidurishan, I have to be Mavatal Maitseer to Yosef Hatzadik, that's extremely difficult because it's already a very sophisticated and spiritually developed stature. The sheaves have brought together disparate stalks and made them one. And now say that the sheaves have to go through of a tishtachavena l'alumasi, a whole new type of ishtachava to the aluma of Yosef HaTzadik. It's extremely challenging. And if you're on the same level of Yosef HaTzadik, you become allergic to this. Very allergic to this. Because Hamalit, why, why are you going to be a king over us? This is contrary to the whole Yiddishkeit. We thought everybody is equal. We thought God is one. We thought everybody is part of oneness. But you're more equal than us, aren't you? Everybody is equal besides me. God is one, right? But I'm also a shtickle God. Yeah, like somebody once said, Ani v'Hashem loishanisi. Or Einoid Malvadi. Einoid Malvadi, Einoid Malvadi. You're saying one, else, one is, one is, one is, one is, but under me. <laughs> one is, as long as I'm the boss, right? The t-shirt reads, I'm very easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. It's all oneness, alumus. That's the whole word. Baruch, beis, reish, vav, chav. It's all ain't soif. We come, we, we come, why are we bound down to Yosef now? <laughs> Right, but Lamata, the way it, in the Shoirish, he says they were right. Sometimes you see things from your Shoirish. Your Shoirish means your ultimate root, the root, the source. But from the Shoirish, right, from getting from the roots to the actual, in, in, in the world of Batani, the Shoirish is on the bottom and the tree is on the top. In the world of Ruchni, it's the opposite. Shoirish is on the top, right? Like they have sometimes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> buildings, it's, it's, it's art of architecture. They'll do a building you ever saw upside down. So the shayr, in the, in the shayrish, yeah, but in, in the manifestation, Lamata, the shvatim were from Olam Habriya, 
And Olam Abriya is a very high world. Olam Abriya is not Asiya, it's not Yitzira. But it's far the world of Briya. Briya means creation. And therefore over there, the Bittl is called Bittl Hayesh. The Yesh is Mavatl himself. It's the world where there is Yichachdos, but it's Yichudatato. It's unity the way it's experienced from the human dimension. It's the spirituality, the way the human soul experiences it, which is incredibly powerful, incredibly deep. But he says it's still rachik from echad ha'emes. It's still distant from the one truth that is infinitely transcendent from this, from the human experience of oneness. That's called bitter sheni, where the I loses itself in the ultimate truth. And he says, even the mysterious nefesh of Rebbe Akiva, his echad had to touch an echad that was bestowed from above. It's a different echad. Lameve echad be'echad. That bitl was the bitl of Yosef. If that wasn't the bitl of Yosef, then the shvatim are right. Hamalach tim lechaleinu, imashal tim shalbanu. What are we doing here? This is, uh, so it's another, it's another game of politics here. But if the Shvatim are wrong, yeah, so then what happens? So then what happens is, if you're not mavatli yourself to Yosef, alu masi, then there's never a bitter sheni. So I always remain spiritually confined in my own spiritual experience, as lofty as it is. And I never really touch the divine, pure oneness that transcends me. But for this, you have to know that you're not bowing down to Yosef. You're bowing down to Yosef's silence. If Yosef is a Metzius, if Yosef is a Metzius, even a Metzius of Kedusha, even a Metzius of Kedusha, then the Shvatim are right. That's what bothered them. But bitl b'metzius is there's no metzius, not even a metzius of Kedusha. Briya is a metzius of Kedusha. Atzillus is not a metzius of Kedusha. It's Echad HaEmes itself. If Hashtayit was Tutsach HaBesel. Yosef could go to places that the Shvatim can't go. Because if Yosef is metzius, even if it's a metzius of Kedusha, there's conflict. There could be conflict. But Yosef wasn't metzius. Because Yosef wasn't metzius, so there's no place in the world in which he doesn't touch the essence of God. Because Yosef comes from the higher Echad, not from the lower Echad. He doesn't have to be a shepherd. The Shvatim can't understand this. This was a philosophical disagreement on so many levels. Judaism can't thrive in Yosef's world. If Yosef is dreaming of all these things, he's going to destroy the whole Yiddishkeit. They couldn't understand this concept of somebody being in places where Yosef is and remaining as connected to the divine as they were connected. How could it be? You dressed in Egyptian garb, you speak Egyptian, you run the whole economy, Egypt was the superpower, and you're the one in charge. You're not second in command. Yosef, who are Majbir Bar, who are Shalit al he's the ruler. Pari is the, you know, the king emeritus. Pari gets his cover. Who ran the show? Yosef ran the show. And that same level of Kedusha that he had in the house of Yaakov Avinu sitting with the others 
with the others who were a Merkava to Ein Soif, he should have in that place. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work that way. This is Sinisht Haimish. You have these not this Nashta Haimish with the, and his kids. It's Shkotzen Goyim. Huh? Well, the dream was was represent was he was sharing with them this the this avoda. So they said, "How can this be? It can't be." Are they right or wrong? From their perspective, of course they're right. <laughs> From the perspective of Yosef, of course they're wrong. From their perspective, yeah, if you would throw them there into there, it would be a change. There's a conflict, there's two worlds, and you have to go from the world of Shvira to the world of Krishvira. He told them the truth that they weren't ready for. <laughs> That's what he was telling them. This dream was just a shear. He was giving them a shear. <laughs> told you all the stories in Chumash are basically a shear. He was giving them a shear. He was telling them a bitter edition. He was telling them a bitter shani. <laughs> Bitterishin is bitlayash. But if you want bitl b'metzias, it's a different Indian. You have to take your tzir of Kedusha, your structure of Kedusha, and be it mevatl, to the alum of Yosef HaTzadik. This they weren't ready for. Oh, so you want to know why we could comprehend it and they can't. The answer is because we comprehend it, and by them it had to be an experience. It's very different. You understand? There's a difference between a shir and an experience. We could talk about Briya, Atzillas, Bitlayesh. Why not? It's a cost garnished. They didn't comprehend it, that they experience it. If you don't experience it, you don't experience it. That's the point. That's the point. This is not about judgment. We're not, it's not, uh, we'll be, we'll be the Cholom of Yosef. What's the second stage of the dream? That this is the bitter Shani after bitter Rishon. But because of their experience, their experience of themselves, they could not appreciate the fact that Yosef, Lamata, was Atzilis, and they, Lamata, were Bria. How can that be? You're my brother. He says that Yosef needed them. He says when they bow down to Yosef, they will mavatal themselves, but they also were mamshich something to him. Of course. Why do you think? What? 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 what, what? He says bekitzer the hamshacha to him was that sheyumshach ha'aras ain't soif bebchinas Yosef hamshacha zush also heimai no sheyumshach bebchinas erpnimi be Yosef. It's like something that the female gives the male, the man gives mad, that mad doesn't have without it. He says, "Shayum shech pchines ha'er pnimi b'yosef." What do you think they gave him? Because when you bow down to somebody, right? He says, "There's an element of surrender, but there's also an element of giving something." I'm giving you something. I need you, but you also need me. There's a hamshacha that I'm giving you. By going out of my posture, I'm also giving something to you. So by Yaakov, that was the idea of the bowing. By the brothers, there's also the element of bittel. But there's also the element of them giving something to Yosef. 
because mad cannot come out without man. The bitter sheni needs the bitter ishen. The rain needs the keli. The oir needs the keli. The keli is mamshech the oir. It brings out the oir. It brings out the revelation of the oir only through the keli. Without that, something is stifled. Something doesn't come out. So the brothers need Yosef, but Yosef also needs the brothers. Yeah. That's the mashmoos here. It's very bekitzer, the Alter Rebbe here. But the, this, this chapter is very bekitzer. But the mashmoos is that Yosef without the brothers is like an oir, tremendous oir, but without the keli of, of, the, of the man. So the, obviously the keli needs the oir. The keli without the oir is just a vessel without oir. But the oir without a keli <laughs> remains hidden somewhere. It remains unactualized. Huh? But uh, apparently he did need the brothers. He told them the dream. <laughs> the fact he told them the dream meant he did need the brothers. He did need the brothers. Why did he remain silent? Why did he have to tell them? He was a Rumiussi. He explained, remain silent. Write the story. Present it in a publication. Let them read something. Truth has to come out. Truth has to come out. Okay? Now, truth has to come out. Now, sometimes it comes out and it hurts. And it takes the world time to adjust to that truth. No? You know that. What do they say when somebody comes out with a new truth? First, right? They say that he's... uh there's this three stages. What are the three stages? You ever read about it? Interesting studies. When people, great people come up with truths, the first thing they call them is, uh, Amashugana, right? That's always the first thing. A crazy nut drop. Then a few years later, it's not so crazy. Huh? So now it's maybe, yeah, maybe not, maybe in certain situations. And then the third stage is, well, he took it from us. (laughs) That's what happens. We started it. And then he learned from us. And in the Jewish world, it's the same way, by the way. First, Amashugana. And then, Mamash Mashu, you just make fun. And then, yeah, there's certain things that, yeah, and then, of course, it's all, we always said this. Fun. Huh? Started to hear you saying. <laughs> but what's the idea? The idea is because, you know, truth can't uh, take root in one day. <laughs> it's 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 always a process of adjustment of, of what, what he says here, building up the kalim for it. Building up the kalim for it. And what happened after the shvatim came down to the sun and realized the unity? Unity was But there was a reconciliation. The brothers came together. Well, then they recognized. They 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 took a bow down to Yosef in Egypt, and Yehuda experienced at that moment a humility that he never experienced. When he said, I'm going to be a slave for the rest of my life, 
I'm going to be an Evid of Yosef. He didn't know it's Yosef. <laughs> right? He put himself completely aside for his other brother. So Yosef emerged. But it really, it really gives you a whole perspective on the concept of leadership. The way the Baal Shem Tev and the students understood it. Because there's two forms of leadership. There's what we call, what I would call utilitarian leadership. Meaning technical leadership. Every, every successful project needs a leader. A classroom needs a teacher. A symphony needs a conductor. Yeah. Uh, a therapy group needs somebody to run it. A school needs a principal. A kitchen, a hotel kitchen needs a chief chef that everybody works under. We all understand that. A house needs a mother, a father. Right? And the company needs an executive, it needs a manager, it needs a boss, a CEO. That's the old one. Uh, That's the old okay. There's new models where you rotate. Fine, rotate, right. But we all understand, I know there's new models, but my point is, but there has to be a mechanism that many voices and many people of different interests, instead of developing into disarray and chaos, right? There's somebody who can, who can bring them together. That everyone understands. It's very hard to argue with that. Any successful project or company, uh, a plane needs a pilot in, in a single word. <laughs> what happens when you have a symphony, you have 600 musicians and there's no conductor? Yeah. They all mean well, but ultimately it's going to, it's going to fall apart. And we can look at our own body. We have a brain. <laughs> there's 40 trillion cells, but there's a brain and the brain says, this is what you're doing now. <laughs> This is what we're doing now. Yeah, it's a little brain, but the brain is a leader. That's a leadership. That's leadership that we can all relate to. That's that that, that we can all relate to. Everybody can understand. That's not the Vatashtachavana Lalomasi. is that leadership is really it's just to bring out the best in every person. And that's what successful leadership is. Imagine you go to war and there's nobody, uh, nobody leading the troops. There's no commander. There's no general. There's no chief of staff. This leadership you're talking about is a different type of leadership. is, yeah, the bittle of that, the bitter sheni, where bittle hayesh is not enough. Because it needs the bitl b'metzias. Over here, the bitter sheni is a completely different type of leadership which requires the complete surrender of the shvatim to Yosef HaTzadik. Not just in terms, somebody to organize the project, but it really represents a whole different type of, of, of spirituality. For this, there's resistance. And there's a good reason why there's resistance. Because this can develop very swiftly into a very different type of leadership, which is called a cult. What's a cult? A cult is, I don't want to bring out the best in you. I'm not trying to organize all the forces. No. I want your blind submission to me. That's a whole different thing. Huh? Right? Taking the world of Hasidim today, 
a lot of Hasidim are very allergic to this whole conversation. Why? Because they feel that a lot of leadership you know, requires this type of submission. I'm not interested in it. I'm not interested in it. Why, why, why should I do this? If you're, if you're, if you're, listen, a, a group needs a leader. We understand that. But fine, but you understand who you are. You understand who I am. You even understand that I may know as much as you or a little less than you. Okay, I'm fine. Gesundheit. But this is a whole different type of, of, of leadership. And the truth is it's not justified. It's taken not justified because it can lead sometimes to stupidity and sometimes to corruption. It's only justified in one way. <laughs> and that is if Yosef HaTzadik is from Atzillus. <laughs> if you're bowing down to my silence, if you're bowing down to my noise, then it's nishkut. To my sound. What's my silence? If you're bowing down to my bittle. If you're bowing down to my metzias, run away fast. <laughs> run the other direction. If you're bowing down to my my bittle, oh, then running in the other direction ultimately will deprive you from touching the divine. But this is not a shtick. It's either real or it's not real. This is not some days yes, some days not, when I'm in a good mood. So how do we understand our Rebbe, for example, our Rebbe? This, this is really the question. This Maimer is a whole perspective on the whole concept of how the Baal Shem Tev and his students introduced the concept of a Rebbe. I mean, they didn't introduce it. You had it for Moshe Rabbeinu's days, but emphasized it. Is it a glorious institution? Is it a fine institution? Or is it a rotten institution? Okay? That's the elephant in a lot of rooms. Is it glorious? Is it okay or is it rotten? Depends who you ask. <laughs> you'll ask Rabbi Avram, he'll give you one answer. <laughs> you'll ask Rabbi Isaac, he'll give you a similar answer. <laughs> you'll ask other people, they'll give you different answers. <laughs> and really everyone speaks from their own experience, right? From their own experience. People they saw, what they saw, what they dealt with. Yeah. But when you have somebody who, uh, when you have somebody whom I know, who was part of a group with a very charismatic leader, and one of the closest aides of that charismatic leader abused him physically, sexually, and it was covered up because of his position, how do you want this person should look at this whole institution of spiritual leadership? Obviously, for him, it's the embodiment of corruption and abuse and evil, which I understand. And he's probably right. So there's so many different perspectives. But if we really get to the core, what is it about? There's leadership as part of the need to keep things organized that everybody can relate. We all understand that. You come into my classroom, I'm running the classroom. Does it mean I'm superior to you? Does it mean it's an absolute hierarchy? No. It means you want somebody, it's like you go to a group meeting and somebody's running the group. Why? Arrogant? He's not arrogant. He wants to, everybody should be successful. 
It's the opposite. That's that's very positive leadership. That we can all relate to. But that comes from a humility of the leader. That also needs bitl and We're basically all equal. But somebody has to, so to speak, call the shots. That's it. Somebody got to, you need, a, a ship needs a captain. <laughs> and yes, the captain makes decisions. And the captain says, we're going here. We're not going there because it's my job to run the ship. I'm making a mistake. Okay, I'll have to learn from my mistakes. And even such people, they're only successful if they get feedback and they're open to criticism and they're open to uh, camaraderie. And as you said before, the new model is really about teamwork rather than one person running the show. Because that's the real concept of leadership. Huh? How would that look in Hasidus? No, it's actually the concept of a real... Uh, no, it's actually the concept of a real mashpia. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all in the same boat, yeah? But maybe I have a certain knowledge or have a certain experience, and therefore I can bring something to the table, and you can bring something to the table, and we work together. Yeah, and in some areas, some people of leadership have to make decisions. <laughs> That's what it does. That's what a mother does in a family. That's what a father does in a family. It's what a principal does in a school. But if the principal is not open to criticism and the principal thinks that he's divine and the principal thinks that he's superior to every child and every teacher and every man who ever lived, you know what type of principal such a principal, you know what type of principal he is? Just like a CEO or a CFO, and we see type of levels of corruption in those places that are very, very painful. Now it's true, when you're on top, there's an Isoyan, there's a test. That's why you need, you need to be human, you need to be humble, and you need feedback, and you need a good Jewish wife to tell you who you are. Which is always helpful. That everyone can relate to, and somebody says, no, we, we believe in anarchy. Okay, you believe in anarchy, it's gonna look like anarchy. That people can relate to. But this is a whole different Indian. This is putting Yosef in a completely different category. We're all one, and suddenly your aluma is on top. The answer to this is they're right. And they're wrong. They're right, because in the world of Bria, there's no room for this. But if Yosef is silence, if Yosef's mohus is silence, his essence is not me. His essence is alakus, ain't soif. You're not bowing down to me. And the moment Yosef loses that, the game is over. It can't be a joke anymore. And for good reason. Because if it's not real, when the Balatanya was arrested, it was very serious. So he had a chassid, his name was Abshmul Munkus. So the Balatanya ran away and he hid in a bar. Bar. He didn't think they're going to catch him. They're going to search him in a bar. And he was there for a night. And then he asked Shmuel Munkus, he was with him, a chassid of his, if he should give himself up. Because he knew it's very serious. I mean, it was uh, c- capital crimes they accused him of. And, you know, he didn't think he was going to make it. They took him away in a wagon that was designated for people who committed treason and get the death penalty in Tsarist Russia. So Shmuel Munkus told him at some point, you should give yourself in. So he said, why are you telling this to me? So he said in Yiddish, <laughs> listen, but listen to Avart. <clears throat> so Chabad Chosid telling it to his Rebbe, the Balatan. He says, Memonovshech, Ebrizaitan Emerson Rebbe, Vetaich Kein Kölnisch Nemen. Anisht, Kumtesach. You hear? 
If you're the real thing, the bullet won't claim you. And if you're not the real thing, you actually deserve it. <laughs> and Alter Rebbe listened to him. He went out. He gave himself up. And he explained why you deserve it. He said, Who gave you a right to rob hundreds and thousands of Jews from their indulgence in materialism. The Hest. This I didn't understand. The Rebbe's whole union was Who gave you a right to take away from hundreds of thousands of Jews their obsession with materialism? Everything is a local. Who gave you a right? Who gave you that to destroy so many lives? If you're not the real thing, if you're not the real thing, you deserve it. That says it. If you're the real thing, good. But if you're not the real thing, you deserve it. You're the worst criminal. Look what you did. Look what you did. A whole generation you distorted with your, with your hashkafs. And it's, and it's not real. And this is a chassid speaking. This is not a bizarre stranger. This is a chassid speaking. He was devoted heart and soul. Yeah. Yeah. If you're the real thing, don't, don't, and if you're not the real thing, you deserve much worse. You deserve. He didn't say. He says, "Come to sach, come to sach." Then to see that the whole Balshinto was max sixty people, maybe for Rosh Hashanah seventy-five people. So this whole concept of you, somebody went to the Hashem from the Sefer I had it like after this year, like you finish now, and I come over, and I said, I have some issues that I want to discuss. So who's a leader that had to keep things in check? It was, it was a spiritual guy. It was a, it was a... Yeah, but the, wor- the worst thing you can do is, when you're not the Baal Shem Tev, to make believe you're the Baal Shem Tev. It's the worst thing you can do. You understand? Or if you're not the Alter Rebbe, to make believe you're the Alter Rebbe. Why? It backfires on everybody. And it becomes a system that's inauthentic. It corrupts the essence. The worst thing for chassidus and for Yiddishkeit is falsehood. It's the worst thing. If, uh, if uh, We need leaders. We need teachers. We need mentors. All of us need teachers and mentors. But it's very different, right? But the mentor could look at the people and say... I struggle with this. We all struggle with this. Now let's talk about it. And then we could share and learn from each other. That's critical. Just like you have it in a business, in a business model, in every model of the world. Just like as I told you, you have it at every concert <laughs> and in every ship and in every plane. <laughs> the plane cannot fly on its own unless you have a robot. But maybe the robot has to do it. But the mile of the robot is, yeah, the mile. <laughs> I once said from the Biel Khan, we were learning, uh, what about the Chet Eagle? So he says that he heard from Rapinchas Hirschsprung, the chief rabbi of Montreal. Rapinchas Hirschsprung was a gun, he was a Talmud Rabbi Meir Shapiro from Chachme Leblin. He knew Shas, you know, those needle, the needle, one of the needles guys. So he said, Rapinchas Hirschsprung asked a question. Gavaldi a question. When Moshe disappeared, 
And the Jews came to Aaron and said, we need a God. They build an eagle, a golden calf. You have Aaron. Why didn't they appoint Aaron? Aaron is an older brother. Aaron is a prophet. Hashem said clearly to Moshe, Aaron is a Novi. Aaron was a Novi. They knew Aaron. Aaron was older than Moshe. He was supposed to be the leader. Moshe didn't want to take it because of Aaron. Aaron is alive. Moshe passes away. So you appoint, appoint Aaron. I said, he says, you go to a calf? A behemoth? A calf instead of Moshe? He says, what? Huh? So the Pinchas Hirschprung said, I'll say this, uh, I'll, I'll, ah? He, he said in Yiddish, and I'll then I'll translate it. He said, Valnora Kalb can main in Azariah's Amamala mocking for Moshe Rabbeinu. Only a calf, only a behemoth could think that he's a successor of Moshe Rabbeinu. <laughs> Not a kalb made, you know. <laughs> you never say, well, that's the issue today. You have to believe that they're leaders and not a teacher. The Shanta was a teacher, a healer, a spiritual guy. Today is there as a CEO. No, most CEOs have companies that sell something to clients. And here the client don't so, so, that, so, 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 so this mimer is such a powerful perspective on this issue. If your leadership is one of camaraderie, right? And of a practical necessity to bring out the best in people, Givaldic. And that includes, of course, honesty, humility, feedback, because that's all successful leadership. When your leadership is elevated to a different plane, then you have to be very careful. Because if you were not for Matzilis, if your Matzias is anything but silence, this can lead either to cultishness, to stupidity, to corruption, to manipulation, to exploitation, or at best, just to superficiality. Just to people not, not, huh? And intelligent people are going to be very allergic to it and run away from it, and people can also get hurt from it. Huh? Only the stupid people that keep them, keep them stupid. Or maybe smart people who have agendas. <laughs> or maybe smart people who have agendas. Huh? Whatever. And, and it's not about judging, it's just about the awareness of it. On the other hand, if you have a Yosef, if you have a Lumasi, and you say, no, 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 no. The Rebbe says, okay, but Birusheni, you're not going to have a Shaykhistu. The Echo the Emes, you won't have a Shaykhistu. Okay, genug. Is verstanden? Moira de Kemaimer. Tonight is the Alter Rebbe's yard site. Chavdala Tevis. Yeah. So tomorrow, tomorrow we'll have a Fabrengen, yeah. One more thing. What is one more thing? Wednesday morning, we're going to Be'ezir Hashem resume our Gemara Shir. We're going to start Mesech the Megillah because Purim is coming up and it's a short Mesech so I hope we could finish. Purim Pesach. We're going to start Wednesday morning, 7.45 for an hour till 8.45. And I want to thank those who volunteered in terms of security to be here by the Gemara Shir. Appreciate it very, very much. Uh, that's what I was waiting for. And uh, we're going to have to keep uh, 
this I'm talking to myself, we're going to have to keep uh, the Hagbala of time. So please share it. So we're going to start Wednesday and get yourself a Masechta Megillah. Say then. 7.45. Ah, tomorrow is the, tonight is, tomorrow is the yard set, Chavdala So tomorrow evening. We'll send out a message to everybody. Lee Have a wonderful day, everybody. Tomorrow morning, yeah. We should learn. Tafka tomorrow, I should take off. Today was a Chanan. Yeah. Today was a Chanan. It's going to be a Chanan. You said a crucial two words. You had an epiphany, yeah? So you said that the Yosef HaTzadik, the leader, should have the in mind the interests of others. That's the, the crucial point. So what happens with the story with Yosef? It's interesting what happens, right? What happens is he tells that there's going to be a famine. You need to gather everything. So he could have told people, hey, gather your grain and keep it for seven years, right? If they would do it, it they would, the world would not succeed. They had to keep the grain by him because he ultimately knew how to preserve it. So they brought the grain to beautiful that all Alamosi became all the grain went to him and he gave it back to them. So he gave it back to them. Beautiful. Right? So because he had them in mind interested to survive, right? He took everybody's grain just to give it back to them. Beautiful. And it's and that's what he said to his brothers, the Ribonshaw put me in charge. So you can have your grain. You can have your grain. Because the real leader, that's that's his home at sea, is Bittel. In other words, you're not you're giving it to me. Really, you're giving it to yourself. Yeah, that's you the, want me no, to, that's, that's the, the only way you can it. get yourself. You'll only get you through me. In other words, you could keep it for you, and you're going to lose it. You'll give it to me. And you'll have it. Right, you'll have it. That's because my mitzvah is not me, my ego. It's not because I want your right. money, I want your grain, I want your this. Refinery. Yeah. I'm the refinery. From a, from a raw egg. You can't do anything with it. Beautiful work. Beautiful work. You're saying the, the dream for the brothers was really the whole world that way. He took everybody's grain and he gave it back to them. The interesting thing is that the good leader, right, in the good company, Always, there are like stock options, stocks that he always gives back to people that uh, yeah, yeah, without it, it's yeah, people don't stick. <laughs> any form, any form of leadership is about the people, and certainly when you're dealing with real, the top leadership of Yosef, it's all about the people because there's no Matthias. <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. Remember the word that we said. I said it here? Yeah. Kasha Zavumrizam. A shidduch, you have to see beyond. Oh, you missed you missed a good Shia today. Really? Medirebis? Medirebis? That's why Google has a moving environment today. That's that's where they, they yeah. came up with all the gift babysitting shows. They give yeah, but it's not only that. What was the genius of Google? In Zoya, there's an expression, Malchus Lesla Megar Maklum. Malchus has nothing of its own. A real Melech has nothing of its own. What, what's, what's, the, what's the genius of Google? What's Google? Oh, there's a search engine. Google Lesla Megar Maklum. 
Yeah. Well, I Google Moshe Rabbeinu. I Google Lahavdil ski resort, horseback riding, cruises. Google, the metzias of Google is I'm nothing. I'm here to help you find whatever is out there that's not mine. Nothing. I'm a search engine. And as a, re- a gab- and, a, and as a result, what happened? He has everything. Everybody wants to be. Huh? He owns the world. What? They made three trillion dollars this started in a garage but what was the genius it's not about the money they own literally they, they own government they, everybody's scared of them they own the information they, they, they came away in the dictionary it's, it's, it's a well, Google this year yeah. The president for the presidential. They can decide. They manipulate. They They manipulate the results. But it's unbelievable because the side of it is that we we're just when I Google something, they're not telling me anything. All they're showing me is here. Here's an article. Here an article. Here, huh? That, yeah, a store the, here, a vart here. It's fascinating. That's why, why they, it's nothing, right? You know, when they offered it to companies, yeah, for a million dollars, they turned them down. Why? Because, oh, what do you, what do you, one million dollars, 20 years ago. Yeah, look it up. Unbelievable. Because, yeah, today, <laughs> I don't know. I never. And they look at it like AOL. <laughs> You've got mail, like old school. Who knows about it? Unbelievable. But it's gonna, that's going to be ultimate demise. Also, huh? that's going to be ultimate demise because before, when they were altruistic and they just give a search result, just helping yeah. you. Once you're yeah, controlling you, you, but now they control their minds. Somebody's going to stop them in the yeah. big yeah. way. That's that that that, that Lahavdil is the same thing with Rebbes. Yes, they became the Rebbes. They became the Rebbe. They became the Rebbe. So they said, "You want to become God? Let's just take. You want to become the Oneness, and then you have to know who you are. That's it. You you have to deal with it." Now, Reb Shmuel Munkes didn't mean, Ibnisht, if you're not for real, that you're, God forbid, a faker. That's not what he meant. He meant you're for real, you're an Erlich you're an elevated Jew, you're a Gon Oilam, you're a Big Talmud Chachem. You mean everything with truth, with truth. But what he meant is, it's not Atzillus. It's Bitl Hayesh. It's That's what he meant. If it's not the real, real thing, how can you take that responsibility? Of course he knew that Alter Rebbe was real. <laughs> to be able to bring in such a light into a generation, to scream day and night, if you're not the real thing, what do we mean the real thing? The real thing is that you're mummish that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's not, he's not negating uh, that you're not a criminal, chas <laughs> that you're not a, a faker, that you're not a con artist, you're not a charlatan, a pshita. We're talking a different type of charlatan. Somebody who's good and holy and sweet and pure and works on themselves. A fine yid. But if you haven't touched Bittel B'Metzias, 
if you're not mamish one with the echa, the emes, and the shama datzilas, oh, it's a different, that's a, then, then he says, come to us there. That's where Shmuel Munkus went. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.